You're listening to Sunnyside Up, a B2B podcast that brings together real-world insights to help go-to-market professionals evolve and stay up-to-date on the latest trends. Join us as we bring you the best practices and proven techniques from industry experts and practitioners. Today's episode is made possible by Demandbase. Demandbase is transforming the way B2B companies go to market by enabling customers to embrace modern digital sales and marketing with a complete end-to-end suite of products. Thanks for listening. Welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Sunnyside Up. I'm your host, Asher Matthew, and I'm excited to have Brian Urioste on the phone with us to talk about rebuilding a brand. We're going to break things down today for you guys. And for everybody who's listening to the show, this is a show for execs, helping other execs around the world. And so there's about 7,000 people that listen to this. And before we get into the topic, Brian, welcome. Thank you. Can you tell us a little bit about how you got to where you are today? Absolutely. So, you know, I've been in tech pretty much my whole career. I was a business guy coming out of uh, out of college and then stumbled into a consulting job that was put me into boot camp for software development and just kind of grew an appreciation for the way you know, technology can change things very fast. And so, you know, I uh, did some uh, uh, software development for a very short while and figured out I wasn't going to be great at it and pivoted that into, you know, business roles and marketing roles and have, you know, over the last you know, 15, 20 years done a number of different roles where really for me, the, the foundation started in demand and product marketing really as uh, and then everything i've done after that has just kind of revolved around that the last couple of roles i've done have been uh, cmo roles in infrastructure and cybersecurity companies and i'm currently the cmo of a cybersecurity company called alert logic fantastic all right let's dive into the topic rebuilding a brand and we've had multiple people on the show that have refreshed their brands or rebuilt their brands or just changed their logos and called it a rebrand. Like There's like all these variations of this thing, right? And yeah. so let's start by defining rebuilding a brand and, and the process that you go through. Sure, sure. In my, the intro there, I am a demand gen guy at heart. So for me, when I start thinking about a brand at all, you know, it's really under the, under the premise of our ability to generate bookings and, and, and revenue and hold on to revenue for that matter. So the, the first question for me is always, and you kind of alluded to it, it's why or what are we actually trying to, trying to solve for, right? You know, it may be just that some elements of your brand are aging and need a little bit of, you know, cleaning up, edges need to be sharpened, colors need to be, you know, uh, sharpened, whatever it may be. It could just be that company's been around for a while and uh, you're the new CMO in the role and you look at it and you say, this is just wrong, right? And that absolutely happens. You know, the first team or maybe it's multiple iterations just didn't get it right. And then, you know, where I've spent most of my time is, is really where it's a business problem, right? Our ability to serve a market and to be credible in that market and to therefore to drive uh, pipeline and you know, grow revenue are going to be compromised by the fact that we're just not telling the story in the market and representing a solution that would be you know, relevant to the, to the uh, customers and market that we're going after. I, I, you know, kind of if it's anything too far beyond that, it's probably not a good, from my perspective, a great use of the significant resources it can take to, to go through that process. You know, if you're just playing with colors because it's fun, <laughs> you may want to rethink uh, the time that you're spending. Fantastic. And, you know, the amount of pressure folks in your role have today, I feel like if you're a creative person, you just cannot be just a creative person, right? You have to actually actually move pipeline and, and generate pipeline and like move pipeline and help 
I mean, I guess there are sales concepts, but they're really revenue concepts. And so, so the two functions have to come together. What are your thoughts on that? I completely agree. And, you know, I'll be perfectly honest. You know, my opinion has evolved very much over, over time. Uh, and the longer time that I've spent both as a demand gen person and a CMO person and working with uh, brand and creative teams, the more strategic I realize that those brand and creative teams are. And so, you know, as a CMO, I make a point that they are uh, not just privy, but they, we are sharing with them pipeline information and the impact that they're, they're having. And when you go through something like a rebrand, again, it's, uh, I can tell you, when, when you go to the board and talk about we're doing a rebrand, uh, they're probably more concerned about the cost than excited about the opportunity. And so that's the same mentality that I, that I typically take with the, with the team that we, that we work with on any sort of uh, branding project is this is opportunity that we're going after. This is growth potential. This is competitive opportunity to go, you know, just uh, outshine in one of our competitors. And so, yeah, it's a, it is a super strategic role. And, you know, honestly, like really good creative folks are some of the most strategic thinkers that, that I work with. Yes. And, and so, like, the way I think about this, right, and part of this is you educating me, and by virtue of that, 7,000 other people get educated. And so, the, the way I think about this is, first, it's relevancy, right? Because if what you stand for is not relevant anymore, it doesn't make sense to continue. And then the second thing is, there are macroeconomic events taking place, and if you cannot ride a wave, then, again, I guess it kind of goes into relevancy, but I'm talking about relevancy from an existing brand recognition perspective, and then the ability to capture on trigger events or stuff that's happening in the world, those are like the two catalysts for actually thinking about this thing. Yeah, no, I, I, I completely agree. And so in those kinds of environments, I, mean, I think a lot of marketing leaders get asked the question of how do we get more people to know who we are, or how do we expose the brand or just get more brand recognition, all those sorts of things. And my punchy one, one word answer is consistency, right? And so, yeah. you know, that's, that's kind of at the heart of this as well is if yeah. you don't have it written down, you know, crisp and clear uh, and yeah. everybody in the company aware. So whether it's a display ad that marketing is, you know, hopefully following the rules of, of their own brand guidelines, or if it's a seller out in the field or somebody in an elevator that's talking to someone or whatever, it's that consistency thing that, you know, you string all of that together and then you actually get to participate in that market opportunity and, and whatnot that you're talking about because you represent something, you know, crisp and clear. Yeah. And the way you, you shared this with it was just fantastic. Like to get the word out there is a marketing channels problem. It's not a technically a brand problem, right? Like right. the brand problem is when we say something, do people understand what we are saying? And then do they remember that? Yep. Yeah, no, I, I think that's a, uh, an excellent point. We can go into a little bit of kind of process of how the whole thing, yep, you know, yep, a, a brain refresh works and, and whatnot. You know, one of the things you'll, you'll definitely hear me say is the very first thing that you, that you start with with a brand project is not, you know, what probably non-marketers would think is, oh, you start with the, the color palette and, and the logo, right? And you're like, no, that's probably the very last thing that you're working on. The first thing, you know, at least that, uh, that I'm typically working on, it's words, right? The words capture everything. And so, you know, the, the, the process starts with first, under, you know, putting words around, you know, what do we do? Like, who is our buyer, right? Because again, like you can water down your message and try to relate to everybody that could possibly buy your product ever. But, you know, you're going to water it down for each one of them versus really kind of represent yourself true to somebody that you're really going after. 
you think about the category that you're part of, the value that you create, all these kind of things are the, you know, what do we do? What are we trying to, to put out in the market? And then there's the who you are, right? This, these are things like archetypes, you know, are, are you the, you know, the design oriented ar archetype like an, like an Apple? Are you, you know, much more tech forward where it's all about the technology? And so you like, you know, really wrapping yourself around who you are, what makes you special and gifted. And, and I don't mean, you know, features. I mean, your brand, right? You know, those really kind of set the foundation for, and, and are sort of, you know, I think of it as like the answer sheet when you get to the final deliverables, if you okay. take those things and then map them back to like, you know, let's say you've got a nice new logo and a, and a tagline. If you then go compare that back to, well, is this relevant to, you know, that one buyer that we really want to ring true to? Is it fit the category that we say we're a part of, you know, so on and so forth? it really makes it a lot easier to, to kind of check back versus just being like, yeah, you know, it's, it can be such a subjective thing if you don't put that stuff in place. Yeah. And it, it's true. And the way I've, I'd like to summarize that is, is your brand or that whole brand vehicle that you have is actually the conversation that you want to have with the world. Right. And, right. and to simplify it crystally, like, and because like I've had to explain this concept to other people and they always like, everybody goes to like, lead gen which and the demand gen is just like the the evolution of lead gen right but but then they all get into tools and this and that stuff yeah. and then they just forget about like what's happening and then everybody says well let's just pick like this ai tool and then you know this ai tool will like bring this speech and and i i think people on the other side especially seasoned pros like yourself right when you see something that's poorly written and i would say copywriting is probably the number one skill people are going to have to maintain in the future uh, or the, yep. for the foreseeable future, right? But when you see something that's poorly written, I don't think you actually want to associate yourself with it. No, yeah, no, I agree. It's, it's kind of like, you know, the game is over before you actually got started. And, and that is why, you know, with the, I mean, exactly that point, you know, the brand exercise starts with words. You know, the, when, when I go through it, the first actual deliverable that could be, you know, externally facing or, or shared is the brand story. Because the brand story, you know, the brand story is like, you know, think of it like, I don't know, six, six sentences that succinctly gets across everything about who you are, who you want to relate to, and why you're, you know, you're special uh, and different. And it's the thing that, you know, I will, you know, I'll share that with the board. I'll share yep. it with the, our executive team. You know, I've been known to read it to the entire company and have them, you know, sit there and, and have me read to them two paragraphs, which sounds ridiculous. But when you spend the time going through and picking you know, not just what, you know, what the, you know, the messaging is in there, but to your point, the copy, the exact words that you want to use that you, I mean, you belabor over because they can mean very specific things, you know, getting in front of the company and reading it and emphasizing what you want to emphasize that really kind of helps bring out the story. I'm telling you, it's hair on your arm rising up and goosebumps. And, you know, when you really nail it, I mean, you just see team, whoever you're presenting it to just, you know, things are clicking. If they didn't know you, now they know you. If they're part of your company, they're like, man, that is exactly how I've always felt, but I've never been able to actually say it. And it becomes a, you know, very much just an anchor point for pretty much everything else uh, that, that you do. And it doesn't necessarily mean that you go then blast your brand story out to the world in its entirety, but you certainly pluck pieces from it. It probably looks very similar to your boilerplate, you know, things like that. But once you get those words just right, man, it's the, I mean, it's the elevator pitch. If you're ever actually in an elevator, you can, you can rattle that off in, in 20 seconds or less. 
and people are, you know, they don't know every feature that you have in your product, but they know the value you bring. They know who you bring value to. They know why you're special and different. And man, it just, uh, it's pretty cool when you, when you get to that point that everyone in the room is just like, Ooh, that is, that is, yeah, that is it. And that is us. And I would say, try to, I think conveying there is it's got to feel alive and you're going to know when it feels alive and there'll be no problem rallying people behind it. And, uh, and then you're on your way. Yeah, no, that's, that's exactly it. It's a, uh, I mean, it's, it's a, when you go through the process, it can, it can be a grind. And, you know, again, like I'm a demand guy, I measure everything by pipeline and bookings and, and these things. And you're like, Oh my God, again, on these four words. Right. Yeah. But it's so worth it because it is so foundational to every campaign we run it needs to live up to the story that we've already told. Right. And yeah. it, there's just so much that builds off of that. Yeah. It, it absolutely comes alive and you know, it, it doesn't just represent your product, it represents your people and your customers and everybody just being like, yes, I want to be part of that. And that's when it truly does uh, come alive. hundred percent. So let's dive into refresh versus rebrand, which I think is a short word for rebuilding your brand. Right. And so walk us through the, the differences between the two. Why do you go for one or the other? And how do you communicate that to the board? Sure. You know, I said earlier, it starts with a, a business, either problem or business objective, right? And so we're, and I don't want to get too much into like, you know, semantics of the words, because they can kind of be one or, you know, or the other either way. But, you know, if you think about them as two different business problems, you know, one business problem is essentially, we could make it better. I'll simplify it as that. We are hitting the mark on addressing our, you know, key buyer, you know, the, that group that you really want to resonate to. It's a relevant message for the market, the category we're in, these things, but, you know, something has changed in the world. And so we need to adjust to that. And so I, I would say it's much less of a strategic exercise and almost more of an execution exercise because you're not questioning who you are as a company. You're not questioning what we really do and what sets us apart and those things. Some things may have evolved a little bit, so it becomes much more of an, of an iteration, whereas you know, what's uh, termed a, a rebrand. And look, some people call it a rebrand. We got to go change the face of the website. Um, I, I would say that's not so much of a rebrand. That's just, you know, changing the face of the website. But a, a rebrand truly is that strategic project, right? Where the business objective, uh, in, in my experience at least, has been things like we're a 20-year-old software company and where we first planted our, our flag, the world really has changed a lot. And we've changed too from a product standpoint, but our brand has not. And so the market as it has evolved is really, you know, our core buyer has very much evolved and they look at who we were and who we were serving. And they just say, Ooh, I don't want to be associated with that. That's, that's so old school or, or whatever it may be, or it just doesn't resonate. And so the strategic objective is, you know, we need to grow and we see there's, you know, the market that we started in is growing at 5%. The new market, like the evolved market is growing at 80%. And we built products, we've made acquisitions, whatever it may be. We are going after that 80% growth rate and we need to be relevant to that, uh, to that audience. And so, you know, those, those kind of projects can be very much a, a balancing act, right? Because you don't want to confuse your install base. And everywhere that you've been, it's, it's not necessarily about throwing that out with the trash but it's about an evolution. And so, you know, that can be, you know, that balancing act can be tricky, but I will say at, at the end of the day, like I said earlier, you can't be everything to everybody. 
So you do have to make some hard decisions. And so that, you know, that's actually a pretty easy uh, project to go to the board with. You know, they know, they're saying, hey, you know, we see the future of the five-year plan is we're going to be dominant in this evolved part of the category that we're in. And, you know, we're no longer credible there because we, we look like where the category was 10 years ago, the story we're telling, our visuals, all those sorts of things. And so it becomes a very strategic conversation. And my experience has been they're more than happy to be a supporter, to cheer you on. They want to see the work because they know that again, this, this isn't just about cleanup. It's, a, it's not just making it a little bit better, but this is giving us the ability to grow the business as the, you know, the three-year plan or whatever implies. I'm just curious, and I thought of this as you were saying this, right? Is there at the board level a metric, maybe, or maybe there's multiple, right? And and there's a numbers way of looking at this, and and then you can come up and say, wait a sec, we have a problem. This, like, either rebrand or refreshes the problem, right? And is there a way like that? Because and many times this comes up through like customer interviews and, you know, campaigns not working and the messaging is not working. Everybody's frustrated. You know, those are kind of the, the indicators that there is a larger problem, right? Or the yeah. market became too competitive or you just like started to position yourself in an adjacent category and then totally lost the initial category, right? Like those are some of that. But is there like, like if you did not know any of those data points and you looked at the, the numbers, is there a way to kind of say, wait, this is a problem? Yeah, I don't, I don't know that there's a one-size-fits-all kind of answer. And I mean, I love the question. Again, you know, the demand world revolves around numbers and, and yes. measurement and, and, and whatnot. And oftentimes the brand world does not. And I will say I've gotten more comfortable with there is a subjective side. And that that's actually can be extremely valuable. And, and so, you know, talking to customers, talking yep. to prospects that, yep. you know, won't even look at you, you know, those sorts of things can, can come in, into play. You know, I think you can certainly look at, at least leading indicators are, can be just your operational metrics. Like you could be churning customers and looking at the reason codes and the reason codes are because the world is pivoting. And so they went and found another provider that can pivot to where they want to be. And you're right. sitting there saying like, oh, we actually, we have the products. We can do that. And they just have no idea. Right. And you're like, yes. I can tell you, I've had seen that so many times where everyone is scratching their heads and like, you know, you're, you're whispering under your breath in, in your internal meetings, you know, are those customers dumb? Like, what is the deal? How come they don't get it? But the customers aren't dumb. You just haven't, you know, helped them to understand that and see who you really are and who you have evolved into. And so churn can be one way as well as, you know, certainly on the front end too, of acquiring customers. You know, if you are setting goals and if your business, if you got this three-year plan that says, we want to grow this part of the business uh, at expert, you know, growth rate or whatever, and you're just like running the same kind of plays, but these plays are falling, you know, completely dead in the water, then you may have a problem of just credibility. And, you know, you're just not, your brand is, is the problem, yep. or at least one of the problems. Yep. It rightly said. All right. So let's move to a slightly different topic, right? How much time does one need to devote to this initiative? Ooh. On average, if you want to have, because, you know, like, like everybody thinks like, oh yeah, I'll hire an agency. I'll go do this. I'll do two executive offsites. Boom. We're there. Right. (laughs) Yes. CEO will design the the new logo. Right, right, right. Exactly. Right. And so, so, so that's the the fast food way of doing this. Right. But to do this well, how much time does one on average need to put in? My answer is biased by, you know, being part like the, the last couple of times I've done this. 
companies in the 100 to 500 million dollar revenue range, right? So just if you think about scale and complexity and bureaucracy or, or lack of bureaucracy, you know, those sorts of things. Now, I wasn't, you can move relatively, you can move fast, but it, it means you compress cycles. And, and you know, I think what, what makes this hard is not so much the execution part, execution meaning like designing your logo or even, you know, writing the words and having good copywriting and, and whatnot. Like you can do that stuff pretty fast. It's really, it's, it's the whole iceberg analogy. The large majority of the time is spent on the strategic stuff. It's, you know, really self-reflecting on who the company is and wants to be and all the, you know, all the stuff that I was uh, commenting on before. And, you know, you can do that stuff in a couple of months. You can certainly spend gobs and gobs more time if you want to. I, I do think it's, you mentioned agencies, just resources in general are an interesting point to make. You know, this is a place where Racy has a really important role if, if you're familiar, because guess what? If, and, you know, all the marketers are listening, you guys know everybody is a marketer, right? Everyone's got an opinion and this color and this word. And uh, so you can completely drown yourself in opinions or you can, you, you can be very deliberate about, look, we need the company to be bought in. That's important. You know, it can't just be done in a vacuum. You do need to have people involved. And so being very, very deliberate about figuring out who's going to be part of the, the process where we're going to capture their input, they're going to be consulted, they're going to represent, they'll even be able to take it back to their team. And so, you know, it has teeth and, you know, the R&D uh, group where, you know, typically they may not be part of it, but you pull them in because you have somebody that, you know, kind of represents them and can have their, their voice essentially. So I, I think if you pick a small team and, you know, most times I've done this, the core team has been, I don't know, five, six people. And I have found it helpful to have an agency. Because especially companies of that size, I mean, it's the same reason you bring agencies in for other things. We, it's not what we do for a living. You know, AlertLogic is a, is a cybersecurity company, right? So we're really good at cybersecurity and we've got a marketing team that's awesome, but, you know, it's a, it's a small percentage of the company. So you bring it in, I think, for, for expertise, where you have gaps, as well as for, I would say, informed opinions. You know, they can actually comment on things and give you their, because they've seen this so many, so many, so many times. And then, you know, the last thing, which, you know, kind of speaks to, to the, the timing of it is process, right? Like you don't just walk in and start drawing things and writing down words. You really, you know, when it's done well, the times I've done it well, the agency has walked in with a process. Um, I've worked with an agency called the Star Conspiracy. They're great out of uh, Fort Worth, I believe. And they have a process. I've worked with them twice and each time it's the same process. And it's, you know, it just steps you through, you know, the, the strategic part while thinking about, you know, at the beginning, how would you even launch this? And then getting to the execution part and all the iterations uh, in between. And agencies can help you move through the iterations faster because we could deliberate all day. So the, the couple, I guess, to be very concise answer, you can do it in three months. You know, I did one where I joined the company in September. We had pivoted to a new category, essentially a new category, the market evolved. And it was a clear problem for us. We started the project in probably October and we you know, essentially launched it internally at sales kickoff in January. Now, that was a absolute sprint. <laughs> We're updating the slides the night, you know, the, the days before the, the sales kickoff and company kickoff, but you can do it that fast and still be a strategic project. It's nice to have a little more time though. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I will say that. Absolutely. All right, so you've kind of walked us through what the difference between a rebrand and a refresh is, and then and then you walked us through like how much time it takes and some of the things. A shout out to the folks at Star Conspiracy, and so as we wrap this up, 
Is there firm advice, like the top two things that you would recommend every VP in go-to-market, by the way, not just like marketing, to think yeah. about when this project is about to come up? Like whether to do it or when you're about to start it? So any any of your main lessons, right? Like either yeah, way, okay. these, are, these are like yeah. the, the Brian words of wisdom. <laughs> wow, I got to distill all this stuff into a couple yes. uh, couple thoughts. <laughs> really tough. <laughs> yeah, that's a t- that's a tough one. Let me see how long I can I can delay the answer. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will repeat a lot of what I said. Yeah, you know, I think first and foremost since this is a especially a, a rebrand, it's a strategic initiative. You know, I do think first starting with the what is the business problem that we're solving for? Like it really is that. Like you've got to know why you're doing it. Because it's a it's a tremendous amount of time. I mean, think about it. Even just once you complete the work, let's say you you know rebranded everything. Like you know, the uh, I've had spreadsheets of 300 line items of all the stuff you got to update. Like, oh my gosh, if we can avoid that, that would be great, right? So really start with uh, what's the problem we're solving for, because that will also frame it as a strategic initiative. And so you know, when you bring it, uh, when you do even when you do updates, people you know the, the first question is isn't you know what color did you choose? It's much more of, you know, how did you position against this? Or, you know, this competitor has this story. How will this help us to compete better? Like it really becomes a more strategic conversation. So that that would certainly be one. And then, you know, probably one I, I really haven't talked a lot about is really just, I mean, I mentioned a little bit with Racy, but communication is critical, right? And that's communication from beginning uh, to end of the, uh, of the process. It's, you know, getting buy-in that you have that business problem right? This is not a marketing, just a marketing initiative. I think that's really important. It's, you know, it's it's cross-functional when you do the work. And so it's not a marketing problem. It's a company problem. So from the very beginning, getting folks bought in across the company that, yep, we are not going to be able to accomplish what we are setting out to across the board if we don't make a, you know, go through a strategic change. And then it's everything in, in the between. It's sharing, you know, nuggets along the way for, so people see what's happening and see the evolution even though you may not be asking them for feedback, at least they see the the process and they see how ugly it was uh, on day you know 26, but day 52 is like, okay, now I see how we got there and why that matters. And you know, you can they just feel much more bought into the into the process. And that includes having a you know a quote launch plan, you know, very early on. Don't don't go complete the work and then start thinking about okay, what are we gonna do with this thing? Because if you're doing that, it probably means you didn't need to do it. You know, so that includes both internal and external. And external can be a heavy investment. So that's, again, part of the strategic objective. Is this a needle mover that we're going to invest time and money to get out there? Uh, and then same thing internally, which is as much of, you know, updating things, but also getting everybody on board. And as I was saying earlier, consistency, training, you know, making sure that you can get everybody in the company to speak those same words. So your, your brand has, you know, incredible kind of laser focus and power. That right there is the most important thing, at least in my humble opinion, is the launch plan. Because you're going to do all this work, (laughs) and if your launch plan is crappy, it's going to go all over the place. I've been part of this exercise three times. I've actually led it once myself. And and we've done it at multiple budgets, right? Like we've done a very large budget and like a skeleton budget, right? But the biggest learning in all of these things was, was the launch plan. And you don't have to have this like multi million dollar launch plan you can launch it really well and even in a very scrappy budget too it's just you just have to going back to what you just said you just have to stay consistent through the process 
Yeah, no, I think that's actually a really great point. You know, it, uh, not having a $10 million budget is not a gate necessarily, unless your, your strategic objective is everybody in, in, in the U.S. or the world, whatever, needs to know, then you're probably going to need some, some more currency to, to make that happen. All right. So as we wrap this up, what is one resource, maybe a book, blog, website, or newsletter that you would like to share with the audience? Let's see. So one that I will share, I'll share a book. And I think you've actually had the author on the show. It's one of uh, Scott Brinker's books. And it's not a technology book. It's uh, Hacking Marketing. Okay. And uh, I'm, a, I'm a big believer in, in kind of the, the, the concept of agile marketing. I don't think it has to be a religion necessarily, but I think there's incredible gains to productivity and collaboration and engagement by using agile concepts. And I've read a lot of books on, on the topic, you know, especially as, a, as you apply it outside of software development. And I think he does a really good job of making it highly easy to understand and, and educate on as well as actionable. Like there's things you can take from that and be like, I can go start with my team on that tomorrow. And it, you know, it won't be so much to chew and bite off that they won't know what to do. It will instantly kind of make some sort of impact and you can get started pretty quickly. So that's, a, that's one of my favorites. Fantastic. And we always ask people for three other folks in go-to-market or data science that you would recommend we bring on to the show. Yeah. So I'll give you three. Let's see. First one is, uh, is a guy named Jeb, Jeb Blount. He uh, runs a company called Sales Gravy. You can go to his website, salesgravy.com, I believe. He's written a number of books. He runs consulting practices. Several companies I've kind of implemented the practices that he has uh, called uh, fanatical prospecting. And if there's a BDR, SDR motion in your business, it is a, I'd say it's a, it's a guidebook. He's, he does stuff on the sales side as well. It's a great, you know, he's a great guy to help connect the pipeline to really kind of top of funnel to pipeline to bookings. And so, you know, from a go-to-market perspective, he's great. Another one I would call out uh, is a, a buddy of mine. Hope I can give a shout out to a buddy of mine named uh, Russ Summers. He's recently the new CMO at uh, InMotion Now. He was a CMO at Trust Radius, Trendkite. He's just, you know, you should have him on because he's super knowledgeable and his energy will be off the charts. He's just a great, great guy, super smart, super wise. And, you know, he's, he's a guy that loves to share. So I think he'd be a, a great person to bring on the show. And then the third, and I got to say, I'm a little surprised he hasn't been on the show yet, is uh, you may know a guy named John Miller. Yes, we know pretty well. <laughs> he used to do some stuff in Marketo. I think he started a company called Engageo. And sure enough, he now works for <laughs> Demandbase, uh, which is a nice, uh, great connection. You, you ought to be able to book him. Um, yes. But, you know, and I'll say from follow John's career for, for a long time, from the early days, you know, days of Marketo. But uh, I think he's an inspirational guy in a lot of ways, especially for marketers, because he's not just a marketer. He's a, you know, certainly a problem solver. He's an you know, incredible innovator, but he's also just a really smart business leader. And he's done some incredible things to create markets that ultimately, honestly, make our lives a lot easier, more productive. And so, you know, both, I have a ton of respect for him as a, you know, marketing thought leader and go-to-market thought leader, but then also just as an you know, innovator and entrepreneur. Absolutely. So we, we know him really well. I'm actually going to slack <laughs> him and see if he can join the show. So, <laughs> nice. That's great. And if people want to connect with you, what best way for them to connect if they have any questions? You can find me on uh, LinkedIn is probably the, the easiest. You know, I'm on Twitter, Brian.Uriose, B-R-Y-E-N.U-R-I-O-S-T-E. 
uh, you can certainly you know, send an email or an invite on uh, LinkedIn. I'm always happy to connect. We all get a lot of uh, extraneous ones. So maybe just mention that you heard, uh, heard the podcast. That would be great. Yeah, you can search my name. I, uh, I'm pretty sure I'm the only Brian Uriose out there. Uh, my handle is B2B Online Marketing. So you find me that way as well. And I always encourage people, if you're going to reach out to a CMO, please be specific so that they can actually help you. Don't be vague. They can't help you. Everybody wants to help but you just got to be specific so that they can help you fast. Brian, thank you so much for coming on the show and uh, teaching us. And uh, we look forward to having you on the show a little bit later again, but best of luck in your journey. Thanks so much. I, I really enjoyed it. Look forward to talking soon. Thanks so much for tuning in to this episode of Sunny Side Up. If you liked what you heard, please rate and review us and subscribe to our show on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts. You can also find us on YouTube and Demand Based TV.